podcast from Aberdeen Investment Trusts. Welcome everyone and thank you for tuning in. I'm Cherry Reynard. With me today is Hugh Young of the Aberdeen Standard Asia Focus Trust to give us an update on performance and the outlook for the months ahead. So welcome, Hugh. Thank you very much, Sherry. Um, Now, let's start by giving an update on the fund performance over the past six months. What's worked and what hasn't worked and what's been good and bad? Well, broadly, it's been a a good six months uh, for the portfolio, uh, rising some 10% or so, um, making it the best part of 20% year to date. Uh, And that's including a, a recent pullback in in markets, an understandable uh, pullback given um, the strength of markets. Uh, what's worked generally, um, much has worked so far. So part of it has been a, a rebound uh, on expectations of stronger economic growth as Asia emerges from COVID. Another part has been that we haven't been exposed to China, which has been, or much to China, which has been the the weakest market uh, in the region, uh, pulling back uh, quite substantially on a new strong regulatory stance, which has affected various businesses. What have been the most influential factors in in Asian markets? I mean, is it still the virus and emergence from the virus kind of driving um, different sectors or or is is there more at work now? I think it has changed now. I think as far as markets are concerned, the virus is largely behind us as as the major driver of markets. I mean, clearly, the virus is still rife in Asia, and it is affecting various uh, things, and and, and certainly the speed of economies opening up in particular. But Asia generally is moving towards a a post-virus environment of just learning to live with the virus. It's been a bit slower than Europe on that front, but it's catching up quite rapidly. The uh, the vaccination programs, which lagged in Asia, are rapidly growing. So I think we're looking beyond the virus, and really what we're look, looking at are, are things affecting the world as a whole. So a more dramatic effect on markets has been issues such as interest rates uh, and and inflation, the fear that uh, interest rates are now going up, and we've seen weakness in, in bond markets, uh, the fear that uh, inflation is rising, and of course, we've seen uh, energy prices rising quite a bit. Uh, so in many ways, it's back to the normal drivers of markets uh, that we'd experienced pre-virus, but still with the virus in in the background, which can still has the ability to cause the odd shock here and there. And next, I was wondering if we could talk about what's happened on earnings for companies in the portfolio. Are you seeing a good recovery or, or are there still areas where it's lagging? Yes, for the uh, portfolio as a whole, we're seeing earnings recover quite nicely, which is exactly what one would expect after a a really tough uh, previous 12 months. So the prospects for uh, the calendar year as a whole and certainly the 12 months uh, going ahead from now are quite a strong rebound. Uh, yes, there are certain areas of the portfolio that are, that are still lagging. Um, we have a bit of exposure to hospitality and hotels, which has, has recovered from the bottom. 
um, but is still nowhere near uh, back to normal, and, and that's relatively small positions within the portfolio. Then we've got some particular stocks, uh, say with exposure to Myanmar, uh, for example, which is going through a, a, a difficult period at the moment. So it, it, it's not all uh, sunshine and light, uh, but but in aggregate, it is. Uh, I mean, it's for a, a strong earnings recovery. Uh, we're looking at the portfolio as a whole standing on about uh, 14 times prospective earnings, which is quite a reasonable rating uh, in a historic context uh, and certainly still holds out uh, quite a bit of value. And I know in 2020 there were there were sort of more changes in, in the trust than, than might normally be expected with your sort of buy and hold approach. But have you made any notable changes to the fund's positioning this year? As far as the big picture is concerned, it's remained much the same. So our, our large holdings are, are what they've been for, for a little while, possibly even larger. We've seen a very strong performance from, from our top holdings, Momo, which is the, essentially the Amazon of Taiwan. Uh, has performed very well in this COVID environment. Uh, and then we've seen a, a pickup in one of our long-established holdings, Pacific Basin Shipping, which is a, a, a dry bulk shipper, which has seen a pickup in uh, its share price, a very strong pickup in its share price from, from the rise in uh, economic activity. And, and if you look at our top 10, you see the benefits of the changes we've made over the last few years. So, so out of our top 10, about half of them uh, have, have been introduced into the portfolio in the last two or three years. Uh, and a lot of that has driven performance, along with some of our older established holdings. As far as the portfolio is concerned, this year we've introduced some new holdings. So we've introduced a, a, a few uh, new issues, uh, two in India in particular, um, a specialty chemical company called Tatva Chintan, uh, and uh, a diagnostics company in southern India, Vijaya Diagnostics, as, as IPOs that we've participated in. And then uh, we've also bought a, a, another technology company in Taiwan, Andes Technology, and uh, started a holding in uh, the world's leading producer. It doesn't sound very exciting, um, but we find it rather exciting. The world's leading producer of bicycles benefiting from the uh, rise of cycling worldwide and rise of electric bicycles, which is a KMC International. Are there any other um, sort of areas you're looking at at the moment, areas where there's potentially sort of IPO activity or, um, um, or new things coming to market? Uh, yes, it has been. There has been quite a lot going on in the IPO market. So the, uh, the market's been very active and there are lots of new issues uh, that we're looking at. Uh, of course, most of them we, we choose not to invest uh, so we only select a few, and, and there are three or four that we're looking at currently. Now, how many of those actually end up in the portfolio? It's been quite a quite a hot market for IPOs, so there's always a, a degree of caution that we exercise when things have been very hot, because, of course, that means people demand very high prices uh, for IPOs. And and the other issues with, with IPOs, often they're dressed up to sell, so you only hear the good news about them. 
um, rather than some of the sort of maybe more bitter reality that can come with them. So we're, so we're a little sceptical of IPOs and very selective, but they're certainly giving us opportunities. And, and, and as I said, we've invested in a couple this year. We invested in two or three last year as well. So that that's really looking ahead. The next year would be roughly what we'd expect, although we never quite know, of course. And then what are the levels of gearing on the trust today? And and does that suggest something about how you're feeling about the, the outlook, your relative levels of optimism? Uh, the levels of gearing are a, a touch over 10%. And really, that's reflective of the optimism, not so much in markets per se, but more in the underlying holdings that we own. So our individual companies, yes, we are optimistic about trading on some 14 times earnings. Uh, that, that seems a very good value to us. And we see earnings growth quite a few years into the future. So yes, markets will gyrate on global concerns and regional concerns. But as far as the businesses uh, in which we're investing, we have quite a high degree of confidence. Um, and a little over 10% gearing seem, seems about right to us. And what do you believe will be the most important factors for markets from here? I mean, is it is it sort of the same as the, the the factors that are important globally? So U.S. interest rates and inflation and things like that, or are there there factors that are unique to Asia as well? Yes, uh, the the big global factors that have been driving markets uh, short term, very much the traditional factors that used to drive markets, have come back into play. So concern over interest rates, and, and that's a valid concern given how much money has left bond markets and, and, and gone on gone into far more aggressive assets such as equities. So any rise in interest rates might pull money out of equities. Um, and of course, interest rates might rise due to rising inflation, improved economic prospects, some of which is good news for equities, of course. So improved economic prospects should lead to improved earnings for, for equities. So yes, they're the traditional factors driving markets broadly. And as far as Asia is concerned, there's some specific factors. Probably the, the biggest factor, which, which is also a global factor, of course, now, is China uh, and, and what's going on in China. A lot of what's going on in China is 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 really driving its domestic markets more than affecting international markets, certainly as far as the reality of what's going on. So we're seeing increased regulation in China affecting a whole variety of industries from from, from the internet companies uh, through to uh, schooling companies, prop property companies and the like. And there's also the uh, the issue of debt in the Chinese market, again, in the property market in particular, which we're seeing causing some ruptures at the moment. Uh, 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 many of you will have heard of, uh, uh, seen Evergrande mentioned in the news as a, as a big defaulter in China, which highlights some of the issues that have occurred domestically within China. We don't think it will cause uh, major ripples worldwide, and we think China can handle this. Uh, but it's an example of what is going on in China. And for us, of course, might give rise to opportunities. So, so with the weakness in the Chinese market this year, we've actually taken the opportunity to increase our exposure to China, which has been very, very small in Asia-focused 
so far. So in a funny sense, uh, we've taken quite a positive view of the troubles in China, a positive view from, from the point of view of our portfolio and giving rise to opportunities. Hugh, I wonder if you could talk a bit more about the China exposure in the trust. I mean, our China exposure traditionally has been quite low, um, sub 5% uh, within the portfolio for, for a variety of reasons. Um, one being simply finding companies uh, where we have confidence below the 1.5 billion US dollar level, which is our cutoff point for investment. And the other, of course, more general worries about Chinese governance and some of the things going on in China. Uh, the encouraging thing is that generally we think China's getting better and better, but it's still been tough to find those quality companies that really is our hallmark uh, when we make investments at the level of below one and a half billion. Now, the good news is that the recent pullback in Chinese markets has enabled us to, to add, add holdings. So we've added one and a half percent or more uh, of the portfolio into a, a, a new company in China, called Yantai China Pet Foods, which is a, a pet food company. Uh, so we're looking for what's going on in China at the moment and the uncertainty in the broad market, which by and large affects the, the large, more monopolistic companies rather than the small companies. But of course, the sentiment has been pulling down the price of the small companies. And for us, uh, that's hopefully going to give us some more opportunities to add to China Okay, great. Um, and just a final view on the kind of market outlook for the next 12 months, you know, how do valuations look, how do earnings look? Um, you know, where do you sit on the sort of positive negative balance? Uh, yes, there is always that uh, that balance between the two. When we look at the portfolio itself, uh, we're very positive because we see our companies in a very strong position. They have strong balance sheets, strong long-term business outlooks, and are reasonably rated at uh, 14 times earnings. So, so that's very fair value as far as we find. Of course, markets are uh, shorter term are driven by far broader themes, whether it be issues about China, geopolitics, inflation, interest rates. So, so we're, we're bound to see some, some swings in markets, and markets have performed strongly this year. Um, I think it's been quite healthy that we've seen a, a pullback in markets recently. So markets, it, it's a healthy reminder that markets don't go up in straight lines. But for us, that gives opportunities to uh, rejig portfolios and take advantage of any market weakness. So net, um, very positive on, on, on our portfolio. And it is a very specific, distinct portfolio of individual companies uh, that day-to-day -day might be driven by markets, but, but beyond the day-to-day -day will be driven by those companies' individual outlooks. And, and those outlooks are, are very, very healthy. Great. OK, thank you, Hugh, for those insights today. Um, you can find out more about the trust at www.asia-focus.co.uk. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only 
and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation, or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein, and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication, and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only, or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections, or estimates, and provide no guarantee of future results.